Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Brankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original Name and title for the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit, manifest in or out of a physical body, is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles, and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are lords many and there are gods many. But we now know that each lord must have a name and each god must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Now Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Joshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in the school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. And the tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men, whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, 
with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Scott Miller from our Syracuse class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Psalms 91, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Good evening, class. Um, that was a surprise. That wasn't Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's uh, bow our hearts and our minds and um, get into our own personal closet and try to shake off the cares of the world and the events of the day and ask our Heavenly Father to still our minds and our souls and allow us to take in this glorious gospel, which we would be so unaware about in the world. We never could have known anything about this without Yahshua revealing it to us and putting it in our hearts and putting it in our minds so we can walk in his ways and we can not have to worry about the right and wrong thing to do. We could just follow the spirit within us and hallelujah, we don't have to be burdened by the cares of the world like the rest, like everyone else and everything going on because we know that Yahshua has us, has our backs and, and has strengthened us from within to stand up against the cares of the devil. And with that, let us say, Hallelujah. 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 Good afternoon, class. I'll be reading today from the Holy Name Bible, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, and revised by the late A.B. Trainer of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of Yahweh, he is my refuge and my fortress. My El, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made Yahweh, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, 
the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalms, the 91st chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Miller. Uh, this evening, our scripture readers will be Dr. Sharon Welch and Dr. Deb Cometti, both from our Syracuse class. We're going to have a three-speaker format this afternoon, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker tonight will be Dr. Chuck Marshall from our Tampa class. Oh, me and my big mouth. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. Uh, we'll start right at the uh, scripture reading, uh, Psalms, the 91st chapter. I think that we can correlate this to pretty much what's going on in the world today. Read, please. Psalm 91 and 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So, you know, in the world, uh, we are very privileged. And we are... I don't like to use the word luck because we, we all understand that, that there is no such thing as luck, that this is all preordained. But we are, we are the ones that are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. We are being placed back within him. We like to say that we get the Holy Spirit. He puts the Holy Spirit within us, but he is actually putting us back within himself. So we are hiding in this secret place. And this secret place is secret because the world really doesn't know about it. And in actual reality, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but when we do explain these things, they don't want to hear it and they don't want to listen to it and they don't believe it. Okay, that's why it takes the Holy Spirit for us to understand these things. And that's a mystery and that's a secret also. Read, please. I will say of Yahweh, he is my refuge and my fortress. My Elohim, in him will I trust. In him will I trust. You see, when we were out there in the world, we were getting all kinds of versions of the way God was. But see, since we've come into this class and he's put that spirit within us, this book and everything about this book and everything about the creator of the universe, Yahweh, has changed in our concepts and the way we th think and the way we see. We have been changed in the way that we understand our creator and his purpose and his plan. And looking at his purpose and his plan, when the world looks at the world today, they get confused and they don't understand. But he's placed us within him and giving us his mind. He's put his heart and his mind within us so that now we're thinking in a completely different way. Okay, could you read, please? Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the lonesome pestilence. He shall cover thee. Go ahead, you can read that. Go ahead. He shall cover thee with his feathers, 
and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. See, he's protecting us from this world out here. The world right now is in absolute, complete chaos. Mm-hmm. And when you think it can't get worse, it do. You see, I mean, it's just uh, with the with the with the uh, coronavirus, you know. And I don't think we've seen the last of the coronavirus. I'm not trying to be a prophet or anything like that. But I mean, you know, the way people. Well, I'll get into that too. But the way people respect, and the way people want to be, and the way people do, uh, you know, it's just they, just like back at the Mount Sinai, and I'll be getting to that. When Yahweh spoke down those commandments, the people said, I do, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They don't, and they won't. And it's the same thing today. It's the same exact thing happening today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand this a bit because I was always kind of a guy that didn't like authority. Uh, that's why when I was in the service, I got the heck out because I didn't like authority. So I can understand people and their concepts and the way they think, because people don't like to be told what to do. People don't like to be told that what they're thinking is wrong, you see, and they will find and they will listen to exactly what they want to hear and what is pleasant to their ears, if you will. All right. And when Yahweh speaks, and we all know this because we're all, you know, been there, when Yahweh speaks, a lot of times it's hard sayings and we really don't, you know, want, want to go there, but because he puts an understanding within us, you see, we have changed our minds. We have changed the way we thought. And now then we are thinking hopefully more and more every day with his heart and his mind. So he's protecting us from all the pestilence out here. And I don't think we've seen a, seen all of them yet because right now from a disease standpoint you see he's rocking the world from mm-hmm. a political standpoint he is completely rocking the world and i mean the world it's not just the united states because if you look around the world right now and what's going on with the governments and the corruption and everything it's 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 in the world it's not just the united states it's just that we thought we were protected for a long time, but now we're understanding the reality of things. And the economic situation, well, religion, economics, you know, and, and politics, you, you can't separate them. And they're all going under, they're all going down. And the people in the world are looking at this and they don't want to see it. They don't want to admit it, you see, and they're clinging to their theories, their concepts and their opinions. And some of us had done the same thing, even when it came to this teaching. There's some things that I have just came around to understanding and to really believing in the last few years. And I've been in class for a long time. Sometimes it takes us a long time to change our hard heart and for Yahweh to break those barriers down within us. We are a, as we call it, a work in progress, you see. And, but we are under Yahweh's wings and the wings we are under are under the law and we're under the prophets. Now, this is something I didn't know before I came in here. I didn't understand. I didn't even, even, I never even really tell you the truth heard of the law and the prophets. I've heard about the law and I heard prophets, but I didn't understand how to put it together. Didn't understand the first thing, 
But now he's put us within him, put us under his wings, the law and the prophets, to educate us and to teach us. Now, uh, Rick was just talking about before class, how he was watching the news and we was giving him the business about it and, you know, and so on and so forth. Well, I'm an, I, li I like to watch the news too. Uh, it, it's just interesting to see what Yahweh is doing throughout the whole creation. But now people out here, I just heard an interview, just as a matter of fact, it was today. And they was talking to these people and they was talking because Florida right now is uh, passing some voter restriction laws and a lot of states are doing that. And they were talking about this. And they, they said, well, do you believe that the last election was a lie, that it was uh, a fraud? And they said, yes. Supposedly right now, 70% of, of uh, uh, Republicans believe that it was a fraud. And even, uh, even some, I think it was like 30% uh, Democrats. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. And they said, well, how come you believe that it was a fraud? Well, we saw it on TV. Well, what do you mean you saw it on TV? Well, we watched these news channels and it, they're saying that it was a fraud. You see, now that's the way, in a way, that's the way we were before we came into class. We read this Bible, but we read this thing completely different. And the news we got out of this Bible was completely different than the reality of what's going on. And right now, the way Yahweh has got this world set up, you see, there's, there, I, I swear, there's more news channels out here right now, you understand? <laughs> giving you the untruth than there are giving you the truth. Now that correlates right directly with religion because for years, well, since the beginning of time, since Satan, you see, first deceived Eve, he's been, dis he's been sowing disinformation, he's been sowing lies, and the people believe the lies and believe the disinformation over the truth. So it's been going on for decades, you know, since the beginning of time, you see this disinformation and this truth and people will believe that over the truth. So what's going on right now is just a, a, a manifestation of what's been going on for a long, long time. And what this has caused me to, be, to understand and to believe and to see is that it's all coming together. He's bringing it all to a head. He's bringing it all together. And it makes me understand and realize just how privileged we are. Because I look at myself and there's nothing about me that should want, you know, that should be saved. I'll put it like that. There's nothing about me that should be any better than anybody else. But yet he has graced me with the truth. And then not only gave me the truth, but then caused me to believe it. And the reason these people, people out here, you understand, do not see the truth is because they can't see the truth. Just like I can understand the truth, they cannot understand. And Yahweh is doing this. So sometimes I, I find myself getting angry. I find myself getting caught up in this stuff. And then I have to step back. And I have to realize that this is Yahweh's purpose. This is Yahweh doing this. Now, could we go, um, it gets more and more to that, but what I want to do is I want to get over into Exodus, okay, uh, the third chapter. I want to go right where uh, uh, Exodus, the third chapter, where he gives the name. Mm -hmm. 
Exodus 3 and uh, uh, let's see. Let's 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 cut it up. Uh, let's get down to uh, let's go down. Let's start right at uh, oh boy. Let's start at eight. Oh, let's start at seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Exodus three and seven. And Yahweh said, "I have surely seen the affliction of my people." which are in Egypt. Now that was us. Mm -hmm. See, he saw our affliction and he saw us. We were in Egypt. We see we're in on the, on the Moses chart here. You see the bottom part of it, how it's black or it's dark. That's showing forth ignorance. You see, we were in the dark, you see, and he saw our affliction. All right. Read. Mm -hmm. Which, which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And we were caught up in the physical. We were caught up in trying to do, you know, uh, to, to make, a, you know, to make a name of ourselves or to make, a, to, to make money. And we were just all caught up and we were all afflicted. I don't know about you, but I've never been rich. You understand? Uh, and I'm okay with that now, you see, because I understand Yahweh's plan and purpose. And I am so rich. I am so rich with what he has done for me and what he's brought me through, you understand that, and, 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 and from a physical standpoint, he's taking care of me too. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. He has seen our affliction he, and we were caught up in this rat race, you see, and he knew our sorrows. Okay, could you read eight, please? I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Or out of the hand of the world, as we can, uh, we can do that today, read. And to bring them up out of that land onto a good land and a large, onto a land flowing with milk and honey, onto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I was a Hippite at one time, but we won't get into that one. <laughs> but he's come down. He's come down to deliver us. And he's getting into a good land. Now, the land that he's talking about is a good, good head, a good mind. You see, he's brought us into a good land. He's got us thinking positive. He's got us thinking good thoughts. And the good thoughts are thinking of him and understanding him and his plan and his purpose. Read. Verse nine. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. See, we're being oppressed economically. We're being oppressed uh, uh, politically, and we're mm -hmm. being oppressed spiritually. Mm-hmm. You see, before he took us out of this ignorance, before he brought us under his wings, you see, we were being oppressed. I don't feel oppressed anymore. You see, I know now and I can see clearly. So now I am not oppressed and he's taken that away from us. Okay, read please. Verse 11, and Moses said unto Yahweh Elohim. Uh, uh, 10, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou may know that thou mayest bring forth my ch people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So he's going to bring us out of this ignorance. He's going to bring us out of the world. 
okay? We are in the world, you see, but he's bringing us out. Read. And Moses said unto Elohim, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And that was, and that is my thought. Who am I? Who in the heck am I? He's not sending me down to, to liberate anybody, but, but within myself, you see, who am I? I am nothing. Uh, none of us, I can really say, or anything, you mm -hmm. see. We're all a peculiar people, if we will, and we are not of renown, just like the children of Israel when he chose them. They were not people of renown. It's just like the apostles when he chose them. They were not of renown. You see, they were fishermen. They were considered ignorant men, you mm -hmm. see. Now, in this, in this institute, we have people all the way that uh, I can remember. I don't know of anybody now, but there probably still is. But I can remember when I first came into class, there was people in this class that couldn't even read or write. And we have people in this class that are PhDs, you see. We have all the world right here in this organization, you see, that he's brought this out. So it doesn't have anything to do with what you are. You see, it's just that you were chosen from the foundation, before the foundation of this world, and been brought forth and being brought out of this. Okay, read, please. Well, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve Elohim unto this mountain. Now, here's a key to it, you see. He told Moses, certainly, certainly I will be with thee. And that's what he's doing with us. He is certainly within us. He is certainly us. Like I said, I've been in this class for a long time. I know a lot of you people. I've known a lot of you people for a long time. And I've seen me change. And I've seen you change. We have all watched the change that is going on within us, you see. And we know that we can't, can't contribute to anything else other than Yahshua the Messiah, mm -hmm. you see. He's the only one. Because I know when I try to change, it don't work. It's been proven to me. So I know that he is certainly with me. Read. Mm -hmm. And Moses said unto Elohim, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the Elohim of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, I was so damn stupid when I came into this class, I didn't even have the intelligence to, uh, to ask what his name was. Mm -hmm. You see, it took somebody, you see, that I met in another Bible study class to tell me, did you know that the name of the creator is Yahweh and that the savior is Yahshua? I was blown away. I'd never heard that. Never. And it blew me away. And that's what got me interested. And then when I and then when I first did go to my first class and they got into uh, you know uh institute uh it was uh the covenants, it just I was hooked. It just complete Yahweh completely changed my mind. Mm -hmm. And we've all got that testimony. It's not just me. We've all got that testimony that this teaching, that this vision sent from Yahweh, you see, has changed our minds. Okay, would you read, please? Verse 14, and Elohim said unto Moses, I will be, 
And he said, uh, he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I will be hath sent me unto you. Now this is a big, big deal here because the world does not have the slightest concept of Yahweh being what he wills to be. Then I didn't have any concept. I will be what I will to be. That that's that covers the whole that covers the whole ball game. That that in itself is a 50-year lecture, if you will. <laughs> you understand? Because there's so much to that. But there is nothing in this creation. There is nothing outside of this creation that is not Yahweh. Now that is pretty hard to wrap your mind around. You see, read on please. And Elohim said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, the big lie, the big lie is Lord, God, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you know why people believe it? Because they go to church and they're, it's like going to false news channels. It's like going to news channels that's not going to tell you the truth and got their own agenda. Well, that's the churches. They were doing it before the political system was ever born. You see? Go, and because they'll go, well, that's not what my church says. That's not what my minister says. And I believe them. And that's what you're up against out here in the world. It's, this, it's the same manifestation going on throughout. You understand? They do not, they will not accept that name. Now, the first thing that we learn about a person is their name. Well, I got this good friend. What's his name? Uh, uh, man, uh, uh, boy, uh, uh, start naming off titles. Uh, boy, you really, that's really a good friend you got there that you don't even know his name. You understand? You're supposed to be telling me about somebody and you don't even know their name, you see? And then when you tell them the name, it's like, it's no big deal. They reject it. Well, my minister says, Lord and God and Jesus is good enough. You understand? And they've told me that I can be saved in the name of Jesus. Where are you guys coming from with your, you know, with your little news channel? You understand? That's what we're up against. That's what the world is up against. And it's all manifesting itself down at these end times, all into one big explosion, if you will. Would you read on, please? I think it's 16. 16. 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Uh-huh. Go ahead, read. And I, and I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites 
and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So therefore, that's what he has done, you see. He's bringing us out of the world. He's bringing us out of the affliction, you see. I'm not all wrapped up. I'm not all worried. I'm not all, you know, understand. Of course, I follow the gui guidelines and I, I follow, you know, the, the precepts that are being laid down on how to keep myself safe, you understand? But I'm not worried about it. And I, I don't get all wadded up about things. I don't, and at one time I used to get all wadded up about the politics, but I don't anymore. You see, because now Yahweh has given us an understanding. Now, another thing, uh, when, when I used to live in uh, Green Bay, I met this guy and he was from the Posse Comitatos, which is a right wing uh, militia. And I don't remember how I met him, but anyhow, he said something about, I understand you guys, and he must've heard our class. I understand you guys use the name Yahweh. And I said, yes, we do. He says, well, we use the name Yahweh too. I said, oh, really interesting. So yeah. I got, I got uh, to be a little bit of a friend, uh, an acquaintance, I'll put it like that, not really a friend an acquaintance and started asking him questions and went to a couple of their, you know, so-called so religious meetings, you understand, to find out a little bit about why they believed what they believed. And you know something? They went right in the Bible. And they went right here into the Old Testament showing how that Yahweh did not want the races to intermingle with each other. And we and even go, went into the Genesis and showed how that the, you read how there's Genesis and then there's a recap of Genesis. Well, they said, no, no, that's not a recap. There was a Genesis and then there was another Genesis. And, and Adam was a white man. And then the second Genesis, that's when he created the other races. And it would go right in the book and show you how Yahweh said not to intermingle with them and how to kill them and still... They right out of the Bible that we go into. So what I'm trying to get you to understand and trying to get you to see that a lot of these people out here are justifying the way they feel and the way they see things. And they go right in the book. They go right in the Bible to justify it, having no understanding of whatsoever of what they're reading or what's going on. Not understanding that Yahweh was setting up a principle here, you see, showing forth that I can't go out, uh, that I'm not, I'll put it like this, that I'm not supposed to go out here in the world, you see, and partake of this ignorance, you see, and get wrapped up in this ignorance, get wrapped up in doing everything I can to make the most money I can, to do everything I can to make me be the biggest person on the block. You understand? I'm not supposed to get wrapped up in these kind of things. Not understand, they don't understand what Yahweh was trying to show forth back here. The, they were setting down principles using different manifestations. They do not understand the difference between a principle and a manifestation. And neither did any of us before we came in here, you see. So what, what I'm trying to show you here, what I'm trying to say here is that, that the same thing was going on you see in the spiritual is manifesting itself also in the physical mm -hmm. the people will go right in the bible they will go to their news sources they will go to their preachers and their religious organizations and they will justify what they what they want to believe and that's mm -hmm. exactly 
you know, and we've been fighting that from day one because we go around and we say, look, right here in the book, it's Yahweh gives his name. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to where he says uh, that this is my name forever. Um, that was. Oh, okay. That was verse 15. That was verse 15. 15 right. And, and Elohim said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, he says here, now, a lot of times what I, 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 I say about this uh, the Bible right here, is this is our instruction manual, all right? In other words, when you get something and you have to put it together, they give you a list of instructions. Well, I know what I used to do with those instructions is I would put them over to the side and I would start putting things together. And then I would usually have to go back to the instructions to straighten out my mess, <laughs> you see? Now that's what this, this, this is our instruction manual. This, is what this is where we get our instructions on what to know, understand, and to believe. You see, and basically, we didn't know how to read that instruction manual even before we come down to class. I'll have to say that, in actual reality, from a spiritual standpoint, I could not read, I could not write, I couldn't even think right. You see, it took him putting his spirit within me, being with me, I certainly, I will be with you, you see, so that I could, so that I could even read the instruction manual properly. We all had to be taught how to read the instruction manual. I know some, one person that they, that somebody said to them to read the book of Exodus and they thought it was a novel. I, we all know who that person, a lot of us know who that person is. That's how, but, but what I'm trying to show here, what I'm trying to say here is you understand that, that that's how much of a grip we had on religion. That's how much we knew. And I'm not putting that person because I was no smarter, probably even dumber. You see, with some of the things that I thought, some of the things that I was coming up with out of this instruction manual. But Yahweh had to take and set us down, you understand, under teachers, you see, to show us how to even properly read this book. Mm -hmm. And the thing of it is, these people out here in the world, they have not gotten any instructions from the Holy Spirit on how to even read this book. So you can't expect them to even begin to understand what was going on when you look back and look at the ignorance that we had before he had to set us down and look and tell us. You see, I, I tell you what, a lot of times I feel very, very sorry for these folks out here. I really genuinely feel bad for them because I would be in the same boat. I'd be doing the same thing. I'd probably be thinking the same stupid things that they think you see, if it hadn't have been for Yahweh setting me down and instructing me, you see, in the law and in the prophets 
and going to the physical things, which we're doing a, a kind of tonight too, is showing forth how the physical, you see, is showing forth the spiritual. Five minutes, Dr. Marshall. Thank you very much. So, and that's the and that's the first thing. I know it's been said that if you can't get anybody to understand that the name is Yahweh, and that you can't get them to understand that that is important, you're just going to beat your head up against the wall trying to get them to understand anything else. Mm -hmm. The first thing we understand is somebody's name. You know, mm -hmm. what's your name? Well, my name is Charles. See, that's the beginning. Now, let's say we use this all the time, I know, but let's just say that when I went, meet, went to meet my wife, that she said her name was Jane and her name is Jennifer. And I found out that that was not her name. What's that gonna tell me? Uh. She didn't really want anything to do with me. <laughs> but she would have been better off if she had it. But that's another story, you see. The name. We can't even get people to understand one simple basic thing that his name is Yahweh and that he says in his, is in, in his instruction manual that this is my name forever. And it is a memorial to all generations. Now we can't, if we can't get that across, which we can't in a lot of cases, you see, we haven't even got a good starting point. But mm -hmm. I hope that somebody got something out of what I said. I, uh, I tell you, I feel very fortunate. I feel very lucky. And uh, I'm lucky that I have friends like all of you guys here in this class because uh, this, what we have, is just absolutely the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. And with that, I thank you and all praises, glory, and honor goes to Yahweh and his son, Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. And our second speaker today will be Dr. Sue Sikelski from our Rhode Island class. Good evening. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. It's great to be with everyone this evening. Thank you for allowing me some time to share with you what I've come to see and understand in this teaching. Um, in thinking about the things that the first speaker has been discussing, um, it, it makes me realize that to someone who has not been um, introduced to this class and been able to see the things that we have been shown, um, talking about the state of mind, the ability to have peace in the midst of all of the craziness and the um, things that are happening in the world today um, must seem like an incredible stretch, an incredible um, unbelievable thing to have happen. But I think our testimony for everyone who has been in this class um, is that we truly have been given a refuge, um, a place of 
um, peace, a place of safety, a place of um, the ability to just stand still and see what Yahweh is working. And the fact that you can understand the mind of your creator was not something that any of us had been taught, told, or come to expect in the way that we were brought up regardless of whatever background you have from a religious, philosophical, um, or just a theoretical standpoint. Even if someone's an atheist or an agnostic, there's nothing that prepares you for what we have come to know and understand. Um, could we start with getting Romans 1, 19 and 20, please, first? just to establish the fact that in your Bible, which a lot of religions use and the, the doctrines that are in there, it actually tells us that we can know something about our creator. And that's an important starting place because we do use the Bible and we don't want people just to assume that we blindly use any kind of a resource or reference in the school. We ask that you listen, you check things out, you ask questions. And the founder said that he did not want us to believe anything if we didn't understand it. He wanted us to be convinced until we were satisfied with what was being taught and what he was telling us was important for our eternal life. And so let's, let's read this scripture. This is Paul talking to the people that are assembled in the class in Rome. Um, and let's hear what he has to say. Romans 1.19, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has shown it unto them. All right. So Paul's telling this group of people that are listening, he's having a class, or this is actually a writing, an epistle, um, but he's telling them um, that because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, your first question or your first um, expectation should be, you can know something about your creator whose name is Yahweh, as the first speaker was, was reiterating, a lot of the world doesn't even know that the titles Lord and God and the name Jesus are not correct. They are not the original um, knowledge, the original information. And we need to be educated on all these things because our starting point from what we have been taught as was stated, is disinformation, is incorrect information. In some cases, it's downright lies and deception that was perpetrated mm -hmm. on us. So because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Manifest means to make clear, to make known. It can be, it can be understood, read. For Yahweh has shown it unto them. And the reason is, is that our creator has, has actually shown it unto us. He's not hidden it. He's made it available for us to know. Read. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. 
All right, now, one, one can ask, how can you see invisible things? Paul just told them that the invisible things of Yahweh from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That seems to be a contradiction in terms, as one might say. You can't see invisible things. Invisible means you don't see it. But Paul says there's a way to understand things about your creator, which we would expect takes us into the things that are spiritual, that are divine, that are of a different existence and plane than what we normally deal in. They can be clearly seen. Read. Being understood by the things that are made. Being understood by the things that are made. So he's talking about seeing with the eye of your understanding. He's saying that invisible things, the things that you can't see, that you can't understand with your natural senses, can be understood how? By the things that are made. By the things that are made. So by looking around, by seeing the, the creation, by seeing our body, by looking at history, by reading in the encyclopedias, by reading in the Bible. All, all these things are given to us so that we can understand about our creator. Read. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So that even his eternal power and Godhead, or as some of the world calls it, the Trinity, um, can be understood so that they are without excuse. There's enough, the creator has provided us with enough things that are made that we can all see, we can all hear. Let's get Psalms 19. So that we're without an excuse for, for recognizing that there's a creator and that there's a way, there's some intelligence, divine intelligence, divine um knowledge divine intent surrounding us and that we should expect to ask questions and to understand and learn more about that creator Psalms mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 19 and 1 the heavens declare the glory of Yahweh and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. All right. So the creation, the heavens, the earth, the days, the nights, they show forth and they speak to us. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that are made that, that tell us, that make known, make manifest the creator and the things that we can know about him. So as a starting point, um, we want people to understand and to expect that you can know something about your creator. And so when we offer what we have come to understand, what we know, we want you to ask questions. We want you to, to probe, to ask, to look, to think, to look, ask, where's that coming from? Where's your proof? And not accept anything blindly, no blind belief here. And it, listen and ask until you are satisfied and that you feel that you under, you can understand and that you can believe something 
so because your eternal life is at stake here and that's what's so important that's why the speakers are so passionate and zealous about trying to get you to understand the things that they're inspired to share with you in any particular lecture now um the the scripture reading that we had tonight and how the first speaker was working through some of the things in Exodus made me think about how um, one example or manifestation of the, the ideas in that scripture reading was how Yahweh dealt with the children of Israel back down in Egypt. And if we could get, um, let's go into Exodus, I think the eighth chapter, um, a little bit of the background here is that after Moses was given the name of Yahweh to communicate to the children of Israel, because prior to that standpoint, they did not know the name of their creator. They knew him as El Shaddai, the almighty provider. He was the one that took care of them. Um, so they understood that they had a, a deity, a higher power, a, a, a supreme intelligence, um, but they didn't have a name for, for how they worshiped this creator. And that was given to Moses and he was told that it, to, to communicate it and it was a, to be a memorial for all generations. And so Moses took the command that Yahweh gave him, which was to go up to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh that he had to let the children of Israel go, let Yahweh's people go to worship him in the wilderness. And of course, Pharaoh, these were his slaves and his workforce, and he had no intention of letting these people go. Um, you can picture Moses, who had been a shepherd at the time that Yahweh appeared to him in that bush and gave him this commandment. This shepherd is expected to go up in front of the most powerful person on the face of the earth and say, you know, just let your slaves go because Yahweh Elohim said that they should go into the wilderness to worship him. And so as played out, and most of us are, are aware, Yahweh ended up needing to convince Pharaoh through the outpouring of a number of plagues. And these plagues um, had a river turning to blood and had frogs and had flies and lice and um, cattle issues with cattle and um, darkness. There were a number of plagues that uh, were intended to show Pharaoh Yahweh's power and that he was um, uh, consistently giving Pharaoh the message, let my people go. So if we go into chapter eight, um, what has happened before chapter eight, and we're going to start down in 20, um, up until that time, the first three plagues had been poured out on um, the land of Egypt. And those first three plagues affected both the Egyptians and the children of Israel. So everybody felt the, the um, negative impact, the, the pain and the um, uh, confusion and, and the terror that they would have poured out when the river turned to blood, the, play, the frogs covered the land, and then the plague of lice. And you read that in the first two plagues, I believe, the magicians of Pharaoh also 
replicated the plagues that Yahweh had poured out through the hand of Moses um, onto Egypt. So Pharaoh would have been assuming, well, my guys can do the same thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, what's the big deal here? Well, part of the big deal was that his magicians could bring forth the plagues, but couldn't take them away. And so when you get to, I, I believe the third plague, I think that they found that they couldn't replicate what Yahweh had done and said to Pharaoh, um, this is the power of Yahweh. And, you know, we're not even able to, to do it, but Pharaoh still wasn't listening. And then we get to the fourth plague, the plague of the flies. And if somebody would read at 20. Exodus 8 and 20. And Yahweh said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, thus saith Yahweh, let my people go that they may serve me. And so here's the message. If it's, kind of like, it's kind of like stuttering or stammering in, in principle. He was... Moses, poor Moses, had to keep going back to Pharaoh. Yahweh says, let my people go. All right, read. Verse 21, else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground where on they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. All right, and so with this fourth plague, Yahweh tells Pharaoh, tell, has Moses tell Pharaoh, and by the way, I'm going to do a special thing. I'm going to separate out the children of Israel, my people, and they're not going to be affected by this plague, or mm -hmm. as it turns out, any of the rest of the plagues that are going to happen. They're going to be um, in a special place, uh, the land of Goshen. And so Yahweh separated out his people. They were initially impacted by things. And then with the fourth plague through the last one, they were not. And that's a manifestation that uh, shows us how Yahweh works with his people, with us being separated out, as Chuck was describing, being able to, to watch the calamities, to watch the pestilences, to watch the stuff going on, but not to be directly impacted by it. Now, that doesn't mean that people in class would not get the coronavirus. That's not what I'm trying to say. But Yahweh has been able to allow us um, psychologically, spiritually, in our minds, to be able to be separated out from the world and realize, not get caught up in, and not be so um, affected by everything, because we understand that Yahweh is working his purpose to let his people be freed from the bondage that they've been in. And he made a very clear message to Pharaoh, 
that I am now separating out my people from your people. And so as it goes on, if we skip over to chapter 10, please, um, and verse 21, we'll see um, a continuing example of this principle. And in 21, and Yahweh said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now, this is the, the ninth plague, the plague of darkness. And he talks to Moses and tells him to stretch out his hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now, just think about that description for a moment. Uh, we've all probably experienced darkness at night. Um, if you're out somewhere where you're away from the city, away from um, street lights on, on your street, it can get pretty dark out there. But have you ever experienced darkness that can be felt? Mm. This is how intense Yahweh made this plague for the, for the Egyptians. Keep reading. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They shall not one another, neither rose any of his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. All right, and so this thick darkness where the Egyptians couldn't even rise up and move for three days went on, but the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Mm -hmm. So that's showing the principle that Yahweh's people have light, are in the light. Um, they were, the land of Goshen was in the land of Egypt, so the light was in the darkness. But the darkness, they couldn't comprehend that. They couldn't see a thing. But it, Israel had light in their dwellings the whole time. Mm -hmm. So um, we are able to understand that principle because in this day and age, it's no longer so much a physical manifestation of this separateness, segregation, um, I don't mean those terms in a negative sense. I mean them in their kind of literal sense um, where we are in a special dwelling place. Um, and as the first speaker was talking about that secret place or the dwelling places that are talked about in the scripture reading in Psalms 91 is actually we're within Yahshua. We have been placed within him and he is our shield, he is our refuge, he is our um, port in the storm that helps keep us able to stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. And while all these things are going on and we go back to where we read about Yahweh saying stand, or Yahweh telling Moses and Moses telling the children of Israel stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh when they were at the Red Sea and they came up, Pharaoh's behind them, chasing up behind them when they left Egypt and they have mountains on either side, um, the, the water in front of them and 
they have nowhere to go. And they're talking to Moses, did you bring us out here to die? We're going to be dead men. And he says, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh or see Yahshua as we have come to understand it. Yahweh's salvation manifest in the flesh. Um, that's very difficult to do when you're going through a tough time, when you're having um, something that's stressing you out, that you're not, you don't, don't see the door out of the situation. You're not sure what Yahweh's working and you have to have complete trust and belief that he can and will save you from a situation in order to stand still to watch for that salvation. And we've all experienced times when we haven't been able to stand still. And then hopefully we've experienced times when we have been able to stand still and we understand the difference. And as time goes on, your trust and your belief in Yahweh's ability to save grows and grows so it gets easier to stand still and you may not know what salvation is going to look like how it's going to manifest but you have come to see that every time Yahweh's able to save and it talks about that in in the scripture reading as well um so one of the things that I wanted to share briefly with you um because this has been something that's been, um, for whatever reason on my mind lately, um, is, a, is a question. And I guess it got started when I heard about that tragedy in Israel about a week ago where they were having that celebration on that mountain. And there was a stampede and a lot of people got killed. And I started to think about how the world so values its traditions, its ceremonies, it's these, these celebration things that they do. They were celebrating the anniversary of the death of a rabbi, an ancient rabbi, who had been looked to um, for um, inspiration writings related to, I think, the Kabbalah and some subset of the, the Kabbalah writings. And um, it was particularly um, important to the ultra-Orthodox Hebrews in that area. And as you read more about the story, as more of the information came out, there's clearly, there was politics involved because they were allowed to hold the celebration with a lot of people. It was a much larger crowd and um, the group, apparently is an important voting group related to the, the prime minister of Israel. So from a political standpoint, he wanted to stay in their favor. Um, this ultra-Orthodox community um, also apparently has a high rate of COVID deaths because they are not into following the regulations or the ordinances that the government had put out about um, how to stay safe and, you know, all of the vaccinations and that kind of thing that were happening in the, in the town, uh, in the country. So it has a lot of interesting political, economic, and religious factors, as the first speaker talked about, that you always find when you're looking into these things. But it, it got me thinking about how this whole celebration and this tradition that they have was so important to them. Um, and then they had this stampede 
and a lot of people died and um, the news coverage has got articles where they're revisiting um, their thinking about this and trying to essentially debrief about what happened and how some of these um, traditions and some of their attitudes may have contributed to this horrible tragedy that occurred, which is a little bit insightful in, insightful in the positive sense, not inciting something, but thinking about something, reflecting upon something to try and understand why it happened. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. But what that made me think about was there's loads of traditions and we talk often about how the churches and um, other organized forms of belief and, and worship and um, having concepts and theories. And um, Chuck gave one example of that interesting group that he um, went to see what they were thinking about and using the Bible to try and talk about um, keeping the races separate, etc. All of these things um, are, make up our thinking or make up one one's thinking and belief and usually is based on things that you have heard over and over again from before time you might have even been able to think consciously and rationally about things. A lot of us have been brought up in churches, for example, from the time we were little. And um, it's just it's just always the way that we were told things. We there was never the the thought of questioning any of it. And same thing happens in politics. People get these very brief little statements and they say them over and over and over again until people believe them. They've heard them so often that they believe that they are facts. And um, that's a very slippery slide down into um, this disinformation and um, believing things that are wrong, but accepting them as, as truth. And we have to be always cautious and conscious about listening um, consciously, actively listening to, to discern and avoid being deceived. Now, what, what particular things that got me thinking about was all these traditions that these groups have and were um, oftentimes pointing them out and how they do things blindly um, and I got thinking about, well, what about us in class where we have what people could call or could be to them a tradition in a, a negative sense as well? Um, just attending a class because you think you should be going on a weekly basis, for example, or what we do is our format for class where we um, have a moderation and we go through our aims and we have a prayer to dedicate the class and we have a scripture reading, we do the lecture, we have a closing doxology. Could those things become, or, um, or in some cases maybe are, a tradition in the sense of a habit or a ritual to people in class? Because we wanna guard against the same thing. We don't want meaningless vain repetition of, of anything that we're doing. We want, things to be meaningful, to be thoughtful. We want to be aware of everything that Yahweh's got out there for us to be looking at and thinking about. So um, the question in my mind was, what's the difference between some of the things that we do on a recurring basis compared to some of the things that we 
we note and, and contrast in the world. And so um, in thinking about that, I wanna just offer a few thoughts. Obviously, we hope that we are listening intently to things going on. And the danger with the way the carnal mind, the natural mind works is that if it hears something um, over and over again, it gets to be, um, it tries to file it into a, um, a file folder in your brain that says, well, I've heard that before. And so I don't need to, to, to listen to it or to think about it again. In the example, they call it habituation. An example is you driving to and from work. Have you ever had it occur that you realized that you left work and got home and you don't even remember driving there. It just was so straightforward and so much um, uh, uh, natural and um, you knew what to expect and you just do it all the time. We don't want that to be the case with what we hear and do in class. So that we wanna pay attention and think about, you know, what is the purpose for say the moderation um, it's an introduction to people um, and a reminder to us, if we're not new, about what we're going to talk about and what key things are in the purpose of Yahweh that we feel we want to share with people. Um, it, it's our first opportunity to make an introduction in some cases, and we want people to know what is important about what we're going to tell you. Why do you want to listen to us? And then we go through our aims and they talk about the purpose for which the organization doc formed this organization and why we continue to hold classes. We want you to know about Yahweh as he really is and he actually exists. We want you to know the kinds of things um, that we cover like science and, and philosophy and um, comparative religions. And we want you to know that there is a mystery of iniquity and it's important to discern and avoid being deceived and that you can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, so uh, all of those things are really important and we don't want to forget them. It's easier, I guess, for us if we hear it over and over again to sometimes not remember how important those things are um, and, and we should be daily appreciative of them. The prayer dedicates the class, um, helps us focus and helps us make a transition from the world and the things we walk in the door with um, to trying to become still and stand still in our minds and think about and listen intently for what Yahweh's gonna talk to us about. Um, and I recently had been talking with somebody because when the class was going on, going back a number of decades, there was not as formal a structure to the beginning of class as we have now. And we didn't have a prayer in place. Um, and then Doc asked for a number of things to be put into more of a structured format, including a prayer. And so um, Bobby, the, the dean here, um, called Doc to ask him, and he said, it seems really church-like to have, have a prayer. Tell me why it's important for us to do that. And Doc talked to him about um, it, it helps the people get their minds transitioned. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking when a prayer is given, then you should expect to see the sign following. 
you should be watching for the sign following. And I remember how much of a um, amazing thing that was to our class because we had never thought about it like that. And you have to understand that we became big watchers for the sign following after Doc had said that. <laughs> and to this day, um, you listen to the speakers the, during the class, the people giving the lecture, you listen to the prayer and you watch for a sign following. And it's an amazing thing how Yahweh does that. Um, the scripture reading helps to give us um, more knowledge in some cases on scriptures that we might never read or have not read. It helps give us a focus for um, the, the speakers to, to branch off of. Um, the doxology obviously is some closing thoughts. And as you think about what it says about keep us from falling, which is consistent with the scripture reading today as well, the whole scripture reading is how Yahweh keeps us from falling. Um, it gives you thoughts to leave the class with and hopefully to carry you forward until the next class, a reminder that he does keep us from falling and he is our salvation. So- Five minutes, um, Dr. Sikelski. Thank you. And so with, with all of that, it's, it's a whole different thing if you're being mindful and aware and cognizant of what all the words say um, that there's deep meaning to what we do to try and share with one another and the structure that's been created for us to do that in. Um, can we get Deuteronomy 6, please? Just to kind of hopefully tie my, my thoughts together here. Deuteronomy 6, starting at 1. Deuteronomy 6 and 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances which Yahweh your Elohim commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land to which you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear Yahweh thy Elohim to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Keep reading. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as Yahweh Elohim of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that flows with milk and honey. All right, so back here, this is a reiteration, but Yahweh essentially told Israel that if you keep my commandments, if you listen to what you've been told that I have said, and what I expect, that your days may be prolonged and that you'll increase mightily. It'll be a really good thing for you um, from, and in this case, he's talking about a natural standpoint. If you keep in mind all of the things that, that I told you, read. Verse four, hear, O Israel, Yahweh our Elohim is one Yahweh. All right, and then if you read that out of the Holy Name Bible, it says, hear, O Israel, Yahweh our Elohim is a unity, which, should cause one to ask the question, then where does the concept of the Trinity come in? And that's a valid question and um, hold that thought, read. And thou shalt love Yahweh the Elohim with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. All right, and so He's saying, love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
and these words which I command you shall be in your heart. Israel was not able to keep those words or to have those words in their heart. And so as you see later, or as things play out, it manifests that they don't love Yahweh with all their heart, all their soul, and all their might. They weren't able to do that at that time. Keep reading on seven. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest thine, in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on the gates. Okay, and thank you. And so, so that, that whole last set of thoughts is a natural manifestation back there. Those were physical instructions that have a spiritual significance, that the principle is now what we're under. And the words of Yahweh... You want them to be diligent and in your mind and in your thoughts when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you're rising up, um, a sign on your hand, between your eyes, on the posts of your house and on your gates. All of those are um, natural manifestations to translate to, we want Yahweh, to, we want to be thinking about Yahweh in a mindful passionate, zealous way, um, listening and thinking constantly about what's going on around us, looking at the world events, looking at the, the things in science, looking at the things in our lives, um, as the first speaker was talking about, and see Yahweh, see his purpose, see what he wants us to understand so that we can continue to be um, uh, appreciate and not have things become routine, habitual. Um, the word aware, if you look it up, the etymology is to watch. And Doc always was saying, watch, keep your eyes open and look for what Yahweh is doing. And so um, hopefully I've offered something that, that somebody um, can appreciate. And I'd be happy to respond to any questions or thoughts um, after the class. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sikelski. And our third speaker today will be Dr. Diane Emler from our Oceanside class. Hello, everybody. Hi, Diane. Uh, my uh, mind is kind of clicking on different things. I've enjoyed class uh, very much. Um, I was thinking uh, about Susie's remark about how we get so used to looking at things, whether it be your drive to work or uh, things in your house that it comes to a point where you just don't even see them anymore. In fact, when um, you have artwork or just the way your room mm -hmm. is arranged in your home, uh, artwork, they always tell you to 
move it around on different walls uh, mm -hmm. periodically because if you don't, you actually stop seeing uh, the artwork where it is uh, because you walk past it and you stop looking at it. So Yahweh in so many ways um, rearranges uh, our world <laughs> so that uh, we have to stop and um, look at things. And sometimes we find that to be an irritation, but for the most part, um, it teaches us that we have to trust in Yahweh uh, and that just that simply that he's trying to show us something um, and try to teach us something that we don't know or something that we thought we knew and we find out we didn't know too much about it at all. Um, I want to go back to Deuteronomy, the uh, sixth chapter, and pick this up at four because uh, Susie was talking about the um, tragedy that happened uh, in Israel, and it was up on a mountain, but it was also a cemetery. And people were dancing around uh, this uh, dead rabbi's grave. And it was pretty remarkable if you um, saw any of the uh, uh, coverage of it. Um, I've never been to a rave Mm -hmm. R-A-V-E, but it kind of reminded mm -hmm. me of what a rave would be because all of these men, uh, I don't think there were any women there, but they were separated. They oh, had they a separated were, spot for men and women. Men and women were separated. That's why of we course. didn't see it. <laughs> so, but all of these men um, had their arms to mm -hmm. their sides. And they just kept jumping up and down and up and down and up and down and yelling and um, what I would refer to as a rave. And uh, of course, as Susie already said, these were ultra conservative Jews uh, and they had been um, denied this separation or this celebration last year because of COVID. Um, I guess there was a small group of people that went, but they let all these people in and uh, the people that take care of this area already knew that um, it would not sustain the number of people that were there. Uh, they already knew that there were certain walkways and certain 
areas, uh, windy paths to try to get up to this grave site. And they already knew that it, there were going to be too many people there. Uh, but anyways, uh, read uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. Go, ahead. go ahead. Don't fight over it, no. <laughs> Whoever has it. Okay, Deuteronomy <laughs> 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our Elohim is one Yahweh. And thou shalt love Yahweh thy Elohim with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now, we are, this, these are instructions to um, Israel uh, before they left the wilderness of Sinai, but uh, since Israel was the chosen people under the old covenant, then we have to flip this and see how these are words for us as well. And that what he wants uh, is for us to love Yahweh, our Elohim, with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And that's a tall order. Um, when you think that, you know, you have family, you have job, you have this, you have that. But in the center of it all, you should love Yahweh with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your might. With every ounce of energy you have, you've got to dig deep and love Yahweh with all your heart and soul. Uh, and there's more. Read six. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And really? thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Now, and shalt talk we, of them. Wait, wait a minute. We, we're going to kind of break this down, Deb. We're, okay. We should teach these things to our children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And when you sit down in your house and when you walk, you should be thinking of him. When you lie down and when you rise up, you should be thinking about him. So it's not, class is not church. And we learned Romans 1, 19 and 20 many of us are first class and learn that the entire creation is telling us about Yahweh. And so class isn't a one or twice or even three times a week. We are, should be thinking about him when we're lying down, when we're getting up, when we're sitting around and talking we should be teaching our children uh, when we're walking, what, whatever we're doing, we should have Yahweh on our minds. And sometimes uh, 
we fail in that effort because we get entangled with things of the world. And it's easy to do because while we abide in fleshly bodies, we make the mistake and think that this creation in our bodies are more real than he is. And that is what Yahweh is trying to teach us is that he is more real than we are. I always struggle. I just had a knee replacement surgery and most everybody knows because I always talk about everything that's wrong with me, but, <laughs> but it's painful and it's, uh, I'm still in pain and this pain will probably last if I do good at least another couple weeks. And so it's hard to, for me to keep my mind on Yahweh when I'm in pain. And yet, that's when I want to think of him the most because I don't want to think about my body. <laughs> I don't want to think about the pain. And so to relieve the pain, I often lay back and breathe. And when I am breathing, I am consciously aware that I am breathing the name of Yahweh. And if I concentrate on that name and keep breathing, it will nine times out of 10 take me out of severe pain. And that's the only way to get through the pain of this creation. And that is to keep your mind on Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, go ahead and read there, Deb. Uh, okay. eight. Yeah. eight. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. One more. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Now, I don't know uh, how many people are uh, aware of what um, Orthodox Jews uh, do in practice. I uh, lived in an Orthodox Jewish um, neighborhood in Denver. And um, we were hated kind of from the start because uh, the neighborhood did not like that our landlord uh, rented to a couple of Gentiles, but um, they would walk to temple and on Saturdays and they would have these little boxes, and I don't know what you call them. I don't know if uh, 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 Bruce knows, but there would be these little boxes 
and they had leather straps that they tied around their foreheads and straps that they would tie around their arms. And of course, a, a mezuzah, uh, every time uh, would be by the door. And you were, if you're uh, Jewish, you're supposed to touch that as you come in and out of the house. Diane, the person was called tefillin. What is, what? Tefillin. Tefillin, that's the one around the head? Yes. The, the boxes with the strap, to fill in. To fill in. It's or a nice. phylactrophy. Well, it's nice to have a Jew on board. Thank you. Because <laughs> there's another one that's a to fill in around the head and phylacteries around the arm, I think, uh, uh, Steve. And uh, yeah, I Googled it. I have it up now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And in those little boxes, in the Methuselah and the phylacteries and the one around the head, which I already forgot, um, is the this verse is in them all. The fourth verse, hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, is a unity. And to them, that's how they keep Yahweh between their, the forefront of their eyes. That's how they do it in their house. And I'm sure there's something they keep by their bed. And in having that scripture written down and they literally wear it on their foreheads they think that they are fulfilling what Yahweh wants them to do. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a physical covenant mm -hmm. and they physically believe if they tie it around their heads, then they will keep God on their minds. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work that way. And it didn't work when we were at church. You know, oh, I, I'm just all over the place here. But it has to be in your heart. You can't love him with all your heart if it's not in your heart. You can't love him with all your soul if he's not in your soul. And yet you have an entire nation of people that literally tie uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 around their heads. And it looks as funny as it sounds if you've never seen it, but the way that an Orthodox Jew dresses the way he has the ringlets down upon his face, all of those things are supposed to be fulfilling what Yahweh wants them to do. And they try to get away with it as much as possible. 
uh, during, and Carl brought this up, that in um, uh, Flatbush, I believe, in, in Brooklyn, uh, it, during uh, uh, Sabbath, you're supposed to stay in your house. Well, if you lived in a, a multifamily home, the house was extended then from your apartment to everybody else's apartment in that house. Well, they expanded that by ringing, uh, stringing wire, wire around the entire neighborhood so that the entire neighborhood is their house so they don't they can go wherever they want in the neighborhood during sabbath mm -hmm. and they think that they're smart by trying to get something over on god and yet they have to do it because they believe they're following the ordinances of god and it just goes the same way down the line that a carnal mind is a terrible thing <laughs> and a carnal mind cannot worship Yahweh. Now, with this incident that happened in Israel, I read an article and in this article, and I have a copy of it, it talked uh, to a survivor as he was a, in the masses of people that were just carried down that mountain because there were so many people. And he said all he could hear were screams from people, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. See? Well, we're familiar with that with George Floyd mm -hmm. and the cry that went out, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. In all of the marches and the insurrection that took place and everybody was holding the signs, I can't breathe. You have COVID and the main part about COVID is it attacks your lungs and people can't breathe. They described India as the nation that cannot breathe. They've run out of oxygen and the whole country, they said is a country that cannot breathe. Then the next thing I turn on the news and it's Earth Day and they're talking about the pollution levels in this world and how people who get COVID, that a lot of people that die of COVID is because they're already compromised by the environment and that the air is so bad, it's sickening our children. And they come to a point where they cannot breathe, see? Then there was a volcano that went off on St. Thomas, I forget the island, and the ash was covering everything. 
and they described how the people cannot breathe through all of that ash. And, and if you've ever been close to a fire, there's so many particulates in the air that people's lungs get ruined just breathing these particulates. See? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason why the world can't breathe. And the reason they can't breathe is because they've rejected the name of Yahweh. And the name of Yahweh is what allows you to breathe physically and spiritually. And we're seeing the world physically can't breathe and if you're listening to what Yahweh is trying to tell you he's trying to tell you how important this name is that this is what's going to give you life and then you have the name of Yahshua see and we run all the time the death uh, uh, the burial and the resurrection and the death and the burial and the resurrection. Israel uh, had to offer up the lamb buried in the Red Sea. Uh, yeah, if you can just do the um, uh, uh, element part. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> so right in the center there, you have uh, uh, Israel in Egypt, which we were talking about Egypt, how that uh, um, uh, plague of darkness lasted for three days. And during that time, Israel had to go out and get a lamb. Well, the people in Egypt could not even get out of their chairs, let alone go out and get a lamb, let alone cross the river and see what was going on in Goshen. They were stuck in that darkness. And people of this world, Satan has blinded the minds of people in this world. And we are just as wide awake as Yahweh can make us here and letting us see these examples and letting us see these signs. And we know that it is true. We know and we pray, I pray that I see every day that Yahweh is more real than I am because I know Israel offered that lamb, which was the sign of Yahshua, that they traveled three days up through uh, uh, the river, uh, the Red Sea, the same way as Yahshua was offered up. And that after three days, they came through on the other side uh, 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 to the wilderness. And it was that cloud symbolizing Yahweh that brought them through. 
and that John 4.24 tells us that uh, uh, Yahweh is spirit. So it's that death, that burial, and that resurrection. You have in the pattern, you've got the blood placed on the altar, the uh, sacrifice buried in the labor, and then the high priest with that holy anointing oil so he can ascend up into the most holy place. So that death, that burial, that resurrection. How Yahshua there was uh, uh, offered up on the cross. Uh, how he first thing went to be baptized by John in the Jordan. So that was that uh, uh, John pointed him out as the lamb, behold, the lamb of Yahweh in John 1 29, who taketh away the sin of the world. And that he comes into uh, that baptism. So there's that death, that burial. And when he resurrects up out of there, uh, that uh, spirit descended upon him like a dove like a dove and the whole Roman Catholic nation has the Holy Spirit being a dove. I mean, and you go to weddings and they have to release the doves because it's such a beautiful symbol. Well, it, it's not a symbol, it is the Holy Spirit. They don't, didn't know how to describe what they saw. Do you understand? That's why even in Exodus, they, they call it that it was like a cloud when it, he was up there on top of Mount Sinai. It was like fire. They had to describe it in physical terms because there were no words for what they were seeing. And the world has taken those physical words and called it, that's what it is. And it, it wasn't like that. Can you imagine being Aaron and going up for the very first time, the very first day of atonement? And after that third trip, he had that vision of Yahweh Elohim. And you know that once he got down out of there, that his sons and the rest of the priests were asking, what did you see? What did you see? What was it like? What did you see? And all Aaron could do was give them, well, it was like a cloud. It was like a shape and form. It was like, that's why we have Romans 1, 19 and 20, because that's what it's like. It's not what it is. So we have that death, that burial, that resurrection, that Yahshua, that Yahshua, that Yahshua. And if you see the principles behind that death, burial, and resurrection, you are doing your, you are feeding your soul. 
and it is that name of Yahshua that will save your soul because you know then that Yahweh is your salvation. And that's what we all have had to sit during this pandemic. And people in this country are like, oh, pandemic's over. Is it safe to fly? Am I going to do this? We're going to open the state. We're going to have all this happen. And meanwhile, the entire nation of India is dying. This virus can't stay just in one place. Haven't we learned that already? Didn't we already go through, well, it's only in Russia, it's only under, only in China? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, Five no. minutes, Dr. Amor. Thank you. You know, we can't turn and say it's only in China, it's only in India. This virus will not go away until it goes away everywhere. And here we sit on a surplus of vaccines, as well as many of the other developed countries, because we want to make sure our people have enough. And I appreciate that. I got my shots. But yet and still, we can't even get people here to take them. And people are dying on the streets. They don't have hospital beds. They don't have oxygen. People are uh -huh. out on the sidewalks with blankets. I even and saw one picture <laughs> of a person with an IV and it was strung over the limb of a tree. Right. Um. Do you understand? It, we are not an island in this world. The world is one. And Yahweh only wants you to breathe. And you can't breathe without his name. Mm -hmm. And you can't have salvation without his name. You have to have his name to even begin. And by rolling up a piece of paper and, and putting it in your forehead in a little box isn't going to do it. You know, I, I've been to the Wailing Wall and they, they roll up prayers and stick it in the cracks of all the bricks. They stick all these prayers and they're everywhere. They stick the prayers in there because somehow they think that it's going to be heard if they put it in a wall. And you know what happens every night? They take all those prayers and throw them away. So there's room for prayers the next day. It's, it, it's futile. And the people of the world have nothing else. And that's why we try to preach to the world. And Doc uh, had that textbook dedicated to mankind, not Americans, but to mankind, to the whole world. And that's why we're 
we're on Zoom, we're on YouTube because it's technology available to the whole world, see? And we will continue to do that in hopes that just one or two might hear this teaching and be able to breathe. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the time. All praises to Yahweh, because if you got anything out of that, it was him. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those on YouTube for viewing us as well. And we hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And at this time, we'd like to ask everyone to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.